So where we're at is Exodus 20. The Lord spoke directly to the children of Israel on the mountain of Sinai, and they had to stand uh, far back to, to hear. And they were afraid, right? Uh, and uh, the Lord gave them the law. He gave them the Ten Commandments, um, and now he's giving them the, the law. What do you do? How do you go through this life? You've been in bondage for over 400 years. How do you exist as a nation now that you're free? And this is what God expects. These are the things that the Lord uh, lays forward uh, in front of them. So he was starting to do those uh, as we looked at the first uh, 27 verses of this. And now where we pick up here, uh, the, the focus shifts from person to person uh, to uh, animal control laws. Okay, so we're sw it's a little bit of a shift in our gears here, but ultimately what we're going to find as we go through, and then we go back to people, uh, you know, issues between people, and kind of weaves, uh, uh, each one weaves uh, in as we go. So uh, the, the, the overall theme to understand, though, and some things that we'll want to take out of this is God is a God of justice. Uh, he wants the right thing to be done. Uh, so when we're looking at these things and he's laying these things out, this is this is what God expects uh, from from people to to take care of one another, to to be responsible, uh, to uh, to uh, have accountability. There's a lot that we're going to glean from this as we go through. But a couple verses uh, just to kind of set the tone for where we're at. Isaiah 30 verse 18 says, therefore, the Lord will wait that he may be gracious to you. And therefore, he will be exalted that he may have mercy on you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are those all those who wait for him. So God is a God of justice, right? Isaiah 61 verse 8, the Lord says, for I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery for burnt offering. I will direct their work in truth. I will make them an everlasting covenant. So the Lord is a God of justice and he loves justice. He expects us to act fairly, right? Uh, one thing the Lord hates are dishonest scales, right? Dishonest scales. Uh, that, that's an abomination to the Lord because somebody's taking advantage of somebody. So day-to-day -day actions between each other should be fair uh, and, and should be uh, at a point where we're going through uh, our lives trying to live a life of holiness and righteousness and not trying to take advantage of other people and trying to you know, get one over on people. That's not how we're supposed to live. So uh, responsibility for our actions and accountability. So uh, we'll pick up here in uh, verse 28. It says, if an ox gores a man or a woman to death, then the ox shall shall surely shall surely be stoned, and its flesh shall not be eaten, but the owner of the ox shall be acquitted. So a a, a ox kills a man or woman. Uh, that's we've heard of those things. Uh, you know, Corey's uh, nephew got kicked in the head by a, a, a Belgian a Belgian draft horse, uh, kicked right in the head. Uh, if that would have resulted in death in the Old Testament and, and they knew that, then that horse probably would have lost its life. Uh, it, when, when that thing is too unpredictable that it can kill people. Uh, but if an ox uh, gores somebody to death, then it was to lose its life. And it says its flesh should not be eaten. Now, I kind of think that's kind of nice because can you imagine like your neighbor gets killed by the ox and you guys are cutting it up like, man, this steak is great. You know what I mean? Wouldn't it feel kind of weird at that point? Like, hey, you know, if this person, you know, if it didn't kill this guy, we wouldn't be enjoying this steak. So, you know, there, there's some taste 
weave, you know, interwoven in here, uh, where you're looking, going, okay. So God says, no, uh, you're you're not to eat that. Uh, it's not to be eaten, but the owner shall be acquitted. So uh, if this ox just out of the blue just gores somebody to death. Uh, then the owner is to be acquitted. The ox loses its life. Unfortunately, the, the, the person did also. But it shifts gears here in verse 29. But if the ox tended to thrust with its horns in, in, in times past, and it has been made known to the owner, and he has not kept it confined, so that he it has killed a man or a woman, the ox shall be stoned, and its owner also shall be put to death. If there is imposed on him a sum of money, then he shall pay to redeem his life, whatever is imposed on him. Whether it is gored, uh, it has gored a son or gored a daughter, according to this judgment, it shall be done to him. So if now things are different, if this is an ox that's known to be violent toward people. So the one that just out of the blue gored somebody, you're like, I had no idea. I'm so sorry. Uh, you know, in, in those circumstances, for one that was known to thrust and was not properly penned and was out and then it kills somebody, then the ox would lose its life and the owner would lose their life. Uh, in, in certain circumstances, if the judges imposed on them that rather than take the person's life that owned it, that they could pay a sum of money and redeem their own life, then they could do that. But there's, as we see here, there's there's an accountability and responsibility uh, for what what is under our control. Um, now, in this case, it's it's an ox that's being described here. So if it's not confined to kill somebody, uh, then uh, the person's guilty of murder. They've been neglectful in their actions, and they're uh, they're neglecting their responsibilities. And another life was taken. Uh, so that person would be uh, would lose their life unless the judges had mercy on them and they decided that they were going to impose that they could just pay a fine and ransom themselves. I don't imagine if somebody's got, you know, five thousand dollars in the bank, they're not going to the bank and like, yeah, hey, I'm, I'm going to take the deal. Right. You know, you're going to you're going to take care of those things, you know, that that somebody could actually be redeemed. You know, now just thinking the the, the words here ransom. Uh, well, just looking at the word redeemed, they could they could uh, pay this sum of money and be redeemed. Uh, now uh, that must be a picture to us, right? If we're looking forward, that we're accountable, that that we're we're guilty, we stand guilty. But if there's a redemption possible, then we can be redeemed, right, for our souls. And Christ did that for us. Now, uh, no doubt a picture uh, within that, somebody who's, who is uh, guilty and uh, they, uh, they could have been losing their lives at that point. Uh, but they're responsible for the animal and the animal did that and now the animal's guilty and the person is guilty. It just comes down to whether the person's going to lose their life or pay a ransom, pay a, 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 a sum to redeem themselves. Uh, now, if you, if you consider, uh, if you kind of do a different spin on this, and you think of how maybe in our lives today, something that's within our control that we're not uh, keeping uh, in under uh, proper care. Uh, I was at work today, actually, and uh, another officer and I had to go to somebody's apartment. We go to the apartment and we're trying to talk to them about what's going on. Uh, and as we're talking to him, he's got a German Shepherd that I knew of and it's never been a threat. It always just kind of does its own thing. Uh, the guy that I'm working with is standing right next to me. And that German Shepherd made one kind of kind of almost like a lunging motion. And 
his uh, my heart rate went up, but his his went up a little bit further because it was toward him, right? And the dog just kind of got scared and startled at him, and then the dog was excited and ran down the down the stairs, and we knew it wasn't an issue. But it, you know, if you think in today's world, right? If you consider a dog, right, a, a dog in that type of situation, where if the dog is known to be violent and it takes somebody's life, then the owner is responsible. And they're held accountable. They have to go to court and they have to, it's, it's that same type of thing. What's being established here is responsibility uh, and accountability for, for what we have. We have to be responsible. We have to be worried about other people's, you know, uh, well-being and those things. So the Lord's establishing this. Uh, now this is, remember, they're, they're in the wilderness and they're going to have to be walking through. And if, and, and so they're learning that as they're they're going to be wandering in the wilderness, how they're supposed to conduct themselves. They can't just, everything can't just be out of control. And, you know, this is out of control and it's affecting negatively, uh, affecting everybody else's life around them. Everything's just going to be chaos. So God is putting in order, saying you need to be responsible for what you have under your control. Verse 32, if the ox gores a male or female servant, he shall give the master 30 shekels of silver and the ox shall be stoned. So 30 shekels of silver, uh, that's the, the, the cost of uh, the slave. And that's kind of hard to look at, right? Uh, you know, so if there's a slave that, that is known as, uh, that's uh, known as property and uh, that person gets gored, it doesn't say uh, to death, but we can assume to death. Uh, then that person was still responsible. Now it's it's kind of hard to look at that and go, wow, you know, they they uh, so a slave, uh, somebody who's a, a hired servant that's that's uh, indebted to the person uh, that that uh, was uh, that they were serving, and that uh, that that slave loses their life. Then somebody would have to pay thirty shekels of silver. Um, you know, just just consider uh, now that might sound a little bit familiar also. Matthew 26, if you had to turn there, what was the Lord uh, betrayed for? 30 shekels of silver. So it, it just just to consider, uh, you know, our Lord's life, 30 shekels of silver, you know, uh, just, just to consider. Uh, so that ox was to be stoned also. Verse 33, if a man opens a pit or if a man digs a pit, does not cover it, and an ox or a donkey falls in it, the owner of the pit shall make it good. He shall give money to their owner, but the dead animal shall be his. If one man's ox hurts another's uh, so that it dies, then they shall sell the live ox and divide the money from it. And the dead ox they shall also divide. For uh, Or it, it is known that the ox tended to thrust in time past, uh, and its owner knew, uh, and its owner has not kept it confined, he shall surely pay ox for ox, and the dead animal shall be his own. So another thing, accountability for irresponsibility. Uh, if the ox is not, now we're moving on from people uh, back to just animals, right? Possessions, uh, because those things were people's livelihood. And, uh, you know, if you're if you're talking, it would be, you know, uh, if somebody's, you know, somebody's crashing into somebody else's car. You know, what do you use to be able to go and make money, right? Uh, so if, if, if you are responsible uh, because of an irresponsible uh, thing that you, uh, you did, your, ir your own irresponsibility uh, was uh, resulted in somebody else losing their vehicle, then, then you should uh, be able to uh, 
pay restoration so that they can uh, get things back in order. If you wanted to look at it in this day. So in this uh, back uh, in these times, as Israel is uh, has been led out of Egypt and now uh, uh, they're free and they're in the wilderness and God is laying down how they're supposed to go forward with their lives. Uh, it says that if somebody has, uh, has dug a pit and one falls in, then this is how it goes. They give money to the owner. Uh, and uh, But if the owner of the pit, uh, uh, they, they could keep the, the dead animal. So uh, one dies, they're supposed to re replace the one, then the owner of the pit that, uh, that had to pay the, the person that lost theirs, uh, they get to keep the dead animal. And so obviously they're going to be able to eat that or use skins or, or do whatever they're going to do with it. So um, if it's, it says here, one man uh, ox injures another, you'd sell the live ox and divide uh, the money and also to divide uh, the, the dead ox. Now, if this thing is known to thrust, uh, then the owner uh, did not uh, contain it properly. Then you'd pay ox for ox and, and keep the dead one. So there's, there's a lot there just describing, hey, you're responsible uh, to take care of things, and uh, if you if you don't uh, fulfill these uh, these things, and you don't take care of this thing, don't keep it penned properly, it's going to cost you. So there's a financial deterrent for people uh, to uh, for them to not be irresponsible. They're supposed to be responsible owners. Uh, so if there's uh, there's death that that uh, or injuries that happen because of irresponsibilities than they were responsible for, even if they did it. You know, it says if they dug the pit and just left it open, right? It, that, that, they're responsible for that. I, I felt bad. We had some friends. Uh, my kids had some friends over, and uh, I felt like the biggest jerk when this happened. Uh, my deck uh, got completely destroyed by uh, a snow avalanche off our metal roof. Uh, the snow just let go. It was the first uh, winter we had it, and uh, the, the person that put it up didn't put the stopper on there. And it blew off. I mean, I was down in Portland and Jen calls me. It's like, uh, the deck just got completely obliterated, <laughs> the railings. And she sends me a picture and my railings are like blown off the deck, right? They're, they're just gone. And, uh, and uh, so come spring, it's the middle of winter, so I can't really do a whole lot. So come spring, I'm trying to fix things and I'm trying to put, and, and you're talking about big pieces of uh, pressure treated wood. And I've got one piece on, uh, off, and I'd kind of taken it and I laid it down and I left the nails sticking up, you know, and, uh, and the girls have a friend over and the girl not only gets one nail in the foot, she gets both nails in the feet. They're playing kickball in the backyard. And I was so absent-minded while I was doing this, like, oh, kids are coming over. I should flip this thing over, put the nails in the ground. And, uh, and they're running around. She's got flip-flops on and they're playing kickball in the back. She walks. She walks up. She steps on one, and like at both the same time, she's just running and just kind of steps up, gets at both feet. And I felt so bad. And I'm like, I gotta call my friend and like, uh, yeah. By the way, <laughs> and I, I felt like a biggest heel in the world, right? And I'm like, I'll pay whatever has to happen, right? And you're talking tetanus shots, everything. And they were gracious and and uh, didn't sue me. And uh, they 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 didn't make me pay, even though I did. I, I wanted to and everything. They're like, look, we got it. Things happen. But it's that type. Of, I was irresponsible with it. Was it on purpose? No. Um, but I I just I just had that under there, and I had shoved it under the deck. Okay, so I'm like, no kid's gonna go under. And what? It's always Murphy's law, right? You what you don't think's gonna happen, and ran under the deck to get a kickball and steps on two nails 
It's just sometimes those things are, are, are going to happen. And I tried to take responsibility for it, which I still do. I still feel bad about it. The kid's graduated from high school, doesn't even remember it. I still feel bad about it, right? Exodus 22. Um, so uh, now we're talking more about responsibility uh, for property. So the law differentiated between stealing uh, and uh, and uh, what could be caught and stolen from animals and, and uh, killed and all those things. So we're going to get into some pretty weird situations, but uh, it, it, if you look at today's world and you and you kind of look at it and okay, what if this happened? Something uh, that might kind of go in line with with this here. So it says, uh, verse one says, if a man steals an ox, so ox are just a popular, right? So so uh, they were, uh, you know, no doubt big tools to have around for, uh, you know, you want a garden and you need things pulled and all those things. So, uh, but the poor ox just keeps getting used here as, as an example, right? So uh, if an ox steal, uh, sorry, if a man steals an ox or a sheep and slaughters it or sells it, he shall restore five oxen for an ox and four sheep for a sheep. So Exodus 20, verse 15, eighth commandment. Shall not steal, right? <laughs> pretty, pretty plain. Uh, we don't. There isn't much. Uh, okay, how how is this? You know, if we're looking at this original languages and all these things here, what does this really mean? Don't steal, right? It's pretty easy, you know. So this is being set forth uh, to deter people from stealing, you know. So if you look at this, uh, animals uh, for those that were uh, stolen and sold or killed, uh, and the person is caught. Uh, to deter them, there was a financial deterrent uh, that it would be five oxen for one. Now, can you imagine if you if you put this in place of a car, right? I, I was listening to Joe Foch teach about this, and uh, he was he was talking about people, you know, stealing people's property and everything. And I, I'll try to do the story justice, but uh, there was uh, a a car that was stolen from somebody within the church. And their cell phone was in the car. So they're freaking out. So they're like, why don't we call the cell phone, see if we can talk some sense into the person that stole it. So they call the person. person answers the phone within the car. They're like, hey, what's going on? You kind of stole my car, right? So they, they start having this conversation. He's like, I know. I shouldn't have done it. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm trying to get my wife a car, uh, so I stole yours is, is, is the, the bottom line of it. And they're like, well, can we meet up? And uh, like, sure, yeah, we'll meet up. And uh, then the person hangs up. Uh, and then shortly after that, they call back again. And as they answer, the, the, the guy answers the phone, his wife's screaming at him in the background. You idiot. Why would you steal a car and everything? And, and so they're talking to this guy. And as they're, they're, they're talking, uh, they're like, hey, if you just return the car and everything, we can work on this and see what's going on. They're trying to be gracious to this man. They're like, why don't we meet you at our church? You know, and and he goes, oh, what church is that? And and the guy goes, uh, he, the the owner says, well, it's Calvary Chapel, Philadelphia. He's like, that's my church. You know, so it's a guy. So, so Joe shared this. Joe shared this. So it's out there, right? So even grace within the church to somebody who's just doing a knuckleheaded thing, right? They'll talk about God's graciousness, right? You know, anybody else, that's grand theft, you know, and you, you or whatever it is. It's theft of a vehicle and, and uh, the, the prison time that person, you know, here it is amongst, you know, uh, a, a brother that's looking at somebody who's clearly black, backslidden at, at, at the best. At best, they're backslidden. Uh, are they saved? I don't know, but I'm just going to say 
maybe. Okay. Uh, but uh, yeah, quite a story, you know, and just they go to same church. Just one of them felt like their car. So just think about the, the restitution, right? There are five oxen for one. Uh, and none of us would want to buy five vehicles to replace the one that we stole uh, thinking we needed it, right? The same here, four, uh, four for one. So there's a big financial deterrent. There's also a great alternative here. It's called work. Go work for it and buy it, right? You know, any of us can look at that and go, why don't you just earn the money and then you don't have to worry about all these things. But God is setting forth these things. That's a pretty heavy burden. Uh, like, you know, if you're stealing someone's ox, and that means that you are either greedy and you have your own and you don't want to sell your own, right? Or you want to just eat somebody else's and, uh, you know, those types of things. Uh, but if you were to take one, then you're going to have and you get caught. You have to restore that five. And, and the same for sheep, four to one. This might stir a little bit of a, a memory here when Nathan had to go to David. Right. Remember when David had uh, stolen Bathsheba, had her husband murdered, Uriah murdered. And Nathan, the prophet, because God in his graciousness wanted to let David know, you're not going to get anything past me, David. You know, even even what you thought you did in secret, I saw it. Right. So uh, here's the graciousness of God uh, just saying, hey, you can't continue to conduct yourself like this. And uh, Nathan goes and Nathan goes to David and says, hey, I got to tell you a story about um, this family. And this family had adopted this one sheep and this sheep had become like the family, very close family pet. It would sit right there during meals at, 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 at uh, dinner time, and, and the kids grew to love it, had a name. It's just explaining this intimate story of this. They have one sheep, and the rich person next door doesn't want to give up their one sheep to take care of uh, feeding somebody who's visiting them, and they steal it. David's ra enraged inside. Ah, he's going to pay back tenfold. Da, 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 da. And Nate, what does Nathan say to him? You're the man, right? It's that, it's that God loves righteousness. He loves justice. That's wrong. That injustice should stir in our hearts. Should like, raw. you get mad thinking, you know, why would somebody take from somebody else? So God is saying here, if, if you want to steal and you take an ox and you get caught, you're going to, you're going to have to restore five. Now you take a sheep, it's going to be five. Uh, so if, if you've stolen them and uh, they're dead, and uh, you've sold it. Verse uh, verse two says, if the thief is found breaking in and he is struck so that he dies, there shall be no guilt for bloodshed. If the sun has risen on him, there shall be guilt for his bloodshed. He should make full restoration. If he has nothing, then he shall be sold for his theft. If the theft is certainly found alive, in his hand, whether it is an ox, donkey, or sheep, he shall restore double. So there's still, uh, there's quite a bit uh, in here. So uh, there's no guilt if somebody breaks in at night and somebody's defending their uh, what the, their property, their family, and they don't know. They don't know if that person's there uh, to kill or if they're there to, to take whatever from them so they can't provide for their family, if they have a weapon, what their intents are. So at night when somebody breaks in, God says, if somebody breaks in and somebody strikes that person and they die, well, you know, the, the, the saying is, is what you play stupid games, you get stupid prizes, right? You know, that's, that's just what it is. And, uh, so God makes that very clear now. However, during the day, it says, if the sun has risen on him, there shall be, it shall be guilt for his bloodshed because that could just be considered revenge. You know, if you know, the person's not a threat, you've caught them red handed. You can't kill them at that point. 
breaking into your house isn't worth now. Um, I, I can probably tell you that if someone breaks into my house, I'm probably going to meet them with deadly force. Uh, so I'd probably have to say sorry, Lord, after that, um, just because I've got you know my family there. And uh, but if I know that I can say stop them there, and I know they're not a threat. Uh, then I, I'm going to have to answer for that uh, according to the law if I see somebody. Uh, so there are, we each each place has its own laws, but what God is saying here is that if you know who, you, you can see this person and uh, you, uh, you still kill them and you know that they weren't necessarily a threat to you and your family or whatever, uh, uh, then you are guilty of bloodshed. So if you're caught, uh, the, the thief is caught, then they'd still have to make full restitution uh, and uh, they'd have to double it. So they'd have to restore double. So uh, there's still that um, a deterrence for, for somebody to, uh, you know, nobody's going to want to have to repay double. So if they don't have anything to pay, then they'll be sold into slavery till they pay off. Uh, their own debt, what what they were they were taking. So uh, there's a lot there uh, that that would should deter somebody. Now laws are designed to keep people from breaking them. That's the whole thing, right? If you do this, this is going to happen. This is going to be the result of those things. Uh, so uh, what we see here is uh, another thing that's very easy to avoid. If you want to avoid it, obey the eighth commandment and don't steal things. And you don't have to be worried about getting shot or being uh, killed, breaking into someone's house at night. And you don't have to worry about being sold to pay off your debt. Or you don't have to worry about uh, that, that double portion that you have to pay back. Uh, none of that has to be done if you're just being an honest person. So this is God as they're, they're coming out. God knows the heart of man and that they need to hear this because uh, in our hearts we're sinful. And, and we want to do wrong things, and God is, is getting ahead of these things. Verse 5, if a man causes a field or vineyard to be grazed and lets loose uh, his animal and it feeds in another man's field, he shall make restitution from the best of his own field uh, and that the best of his and the best of his own vineyard. So uh, the fields would be separated. Uh, by uh, stones or whatever else they may have. So each owner was responsible to watch over their own animal. And if they failed to do so, and that, that, uh, so this person saying, hey, if they're not eating my stuff here and they're eating my neighbors uh, and they're kind of turning a blind eye to it, God is addressing that. He's saying, no, you want to do that, then you're going to have to give to them of the best of what you had. They might have been eating uh, from the worst of what the neighbor had. But you're going to have to pay the best of what you had. Uh, my family is uh, involved with blueberry farming. We have blueberry field, um, and uh, we, uh, if if somebody were uh, to come and take blueberries, there are different places that we'd prefer that they'd really take. Hey, take those blueberries, you know, uh, because we want the good ones, right? And uh, uh, but ultimately, we wouldn't want to take the good ones because that's how uh, you know uh, taxes are paid, and you know, and and, and um, Whatever the income is gets spread out and, and uh, between the, each person in the family and stuff like that. Uh, and that's uh, that's uh, in my uh, stepmother's family. So, you know, like we we're not a part of that, but that's how our family uh, works. So between her and her brothers and sister, uh, they, they split that up evenly. Uh, but to consider, hey, the best of these crops, you want to be able to sell those to make the money. So take care of your own stuff and don't go taking from your neighbor's stuff. I mean, these seem like pretty easy things, but God had to put them here for a reason, right? 
They'd have to take the best of their own field, the best of their own vineyard. Again, accountability and responsibility. Verse 6, if a fire breaks out and catches in thorns, so that stacked grain, standing grain, or the field is consumed, he who kindled the fire shall surely make restitution. So whoever kindles the fire was responsible to compensate uh, those that are lost, right? You can't be careless or you can't be a pyro just running around setting things on fire, right? So whether someone's careless or they're weird uh, and they set a fire and they get caught, uh, then they're responsible for uh, making restitution. So it's a lot of loss for an owner, and uh, they've got to make uh, the restitution set forth by the judges. So they'd have to go, and uh, this would have to be made known, and uh, they would have to pay uh, whatever it was. So the the think of the word restitution as we're going through here. It's used six times in chapter 22, shalom, uh, uh, to make whole or complete. So you're, you're going to have to make whole what you just you know, burnt down. Uh, so you're going to have to pay the restitution. It was fine before you did what you did, and now you're going to have to make restitution for what you did. Verse 7, if a man delivers to his neighbor money or articles to keep, and it is stolen out of the man's house, if the thief is found, he shall pay double. If the thief is not found, then the master of the house shall be brought to the judges to see whether he has put his hand into his neighbor's goods. So this is a pretty awful situation to consider. Like you like to be able to think, trust your neighbor, right? And, uh, you know, the, the neighbor is entrusted, it says here, with money or goods uh, for the neighbor. And if they get stolen and the thief is found, the, pay, the thief has to pay double. Again, the financial deterrent. Don't do this or whatever you took, you're going to have to pay double. Nobody wants to do that. And they're going to be held accountable uh, for those things. If the thief isn't found, then uh, it needs to go to the judges. And the judges need to determine, hey, did your neighbor trust you and they brought over everything to you and then you took advantage of them and you stole these things and said uh, that uh, that somebody else did it or whatever. So the judges are going to decide whether it was careless, uh, somebody being careless with another's possessions or did you steal your neighbor's things. So they would have to be accountable. So God is demanding honesty and integrity in our dealings with each other. And that's what he's setting forth for these guys. There has to be honesty and integrity. Somebody who's entrusted by their neighbor, hey, I'm going to bring these things over. We're going on a trip or whatever. Can you take care of these things, right? Um, I, I know that uh, many of us, for me, when, when uh, we went on vacation, we went down to Florida, and uh, uh, my sister graciously took care of our dog. Right. So so there's things. Right. My mom goes to my house. She's watching, taking care of the uh, the animals because we've got cats and gold uh, cats and fish and dragon. And, you know, we've got all these things. Right. And all these things need to be taken care of. If I went over to a neighbor and I said, hey, can you watch my house? And I come back and like my TV has gone and all these things are happening. And, and they're like, yeah, I came over here and I caught some dude red handed. I didn't want to text you while you're gone because we took everything. Uh, take, took care of everything, uh, you know, the, the police took care of it. But if I come back and, like, everything's gone, like, hey, uh, you know, your TVs are gone, uh, you know, we took your wife's new blender or whatever it is and, and all these things, and they're not, they're saying, oh, geez, I don't know. And I'm like, well, dude, you're the only one with a code to the house, and what's going on here? And, and, and I say, I've got to bring this to the cops because – I thought I could trust my neighbor. They're acting a little shifty and shady. But, you know, what do I do? And, and, and then we've got to bring that forward, and it needs to be uh, determined what happened there. It's, it's just an awful thing. But God demands honesty and integrity. 
so that if somebody is is trusting us with what somebody else owns, uh, or or we're entrusting somebody else with what we own, uh, that that there would be some honesty and integrity there, uh, based on what is uh, what is being entrusted to somebody else. So a culture based on trust is what God is is building there. That we would be able to trust one another because of honesty and integrity. You know, I, I remember as a kid, one of my jobs was uh, when my neighbors would go away, uh, I would go next door and I'd feed their cats. You know, and they'd, they'd pay me, I don't know, 5, 10, 15 bucks or whatever for the week. And I'd go over and feed the cats. And I'd also go and they were always fine with that. I'd go and I'd eat some of their, their sugar snap peas. And, you know, out there. but they were always uh, really good about it. And uh, they'd come back and I'd get my 10 bucks or whatever. And I could go down the store and blow it in five seconds, right? But it was something they trusted me. I was just a kid. And, and uh, for me, and, and I think many of us uh, have probably done similar things uh, for neighbors or, or loved ones or anything. But uh, the, re the, the expectation is, is that when the person comes back, they're going to have whatever they entrusted uh, with us uh, and entrusted us with, that they would receive it the way uh, they left it with us, right? Verse 9, for any kind of trespass, whether it concerns an ox or a donkey, a sheep or clothing or uh, for any kind of lost thing, which another claims to be his, the cause of both parties shall come before the judges and whomever the judges condemn shall pay double to his neighbor. So if there are problems between the neighbors, there are uh, animals that get lost and uh, whatever it is, whatever the trespass might be, whatever uh, is, is uh, there are many things. It talks about uh, ox, donkey, sheep, clothing, or any kind of lost thing. Uh, that if somebody else is claiming to be theirs and I'm claiming to be mine, then we would go to the judges and we'd, we'd uh, bring that up to them. So back in those days, if you lost something in that culture, it wasn't finders keepers. It was you have to prove whether that was yours or not. Right. So uh, so if somebody couldn't, then they would go and they would present their uh, their claims to the judge. Now, uh, this brings to mind for me uh, when you consider remember Solomon asked and he prayed for wisdom. Right. And God gave him that that divine wisdom. And uh, there are two uh, harlots and they each have a baby. Right. You guys remember the, the, the story, the account, the biblical account of one uh, smothered the baby and, and uh, killed their baby and went and stole the other one. And they both come uh, to Solomon as the judge, and they're presenting the case. And they're saying, this baby's mine, this baby's mine. Solomon says, in the back of his mind, there's no way he was going to kill the baby. Uh, but Solomon says, all right, we're going to divide the baby in two. You each can have a half. And Solomon knew that the heart of the true mother was going to come out at this time. So the judges would be able to weigh this. And, and what happens? The one says, no, go ahead and take the baby. I'll take, you know, we, it would just, that way we're both in misery. The mother of the baby's going, don't hurt my kid. She can have. It. So Solomon was able to weigh justly and, and uh, to look at everything and go, that's the true mother. These judges were no doubt very, uh, very uh, uh, experienced. Remember, uh, Moses was trying to do it all by himself. His father-in-law was like, dude, you're going to kill yourself, man. Uh, and you're going to drive yourself mad. Don't do this. You know, get some other people to come alongside you and to help with big matters, you know, and the smaller matters and then the smallest matters. But then they can bring to you the really big ones, those things. So they would bring these matters to the judges and the judges would listen and uh, they would uh, they would make their decision. So if these two can't come to a, a conclusion of who it belongs to, then they bring it to the judges. Now, this should be easy amongst honest people, right? 
if we're living our lives honestly, if we're running our business honestly, um, then things should be a little smooth for us, right? We have several business owners within here. And, uh, and uh, if we're not running our, our business honestly, then we have to answer to the Lord for that, right? I don't run my own business. I'm just saying we collectively, okay? Then we are responsible and, and uh, we are accountable to the Lord for our actions. And uh, if we're not doing things fairly, we're going to give bring bad credit upon the Lord and upon his name. Oh, yeah, Christians. Yeah, sure. Right. Did I tell you what they tried to do to me? You know, and 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 uh, all, all those types of things. Those shouldn't uh, ever be uh, be called. Uh, it, sh it should never be um, coming up as uh, accurate. So no, we should accurately be able to say that about any of us. So um, if these guys can't figure it out, they go to the judges. You know, if somebody's uh, lying, whatever it is, they're going to be caught. Uh, and they're going to have to pay double to his neighbor. They're probably not going to be inviting each other over for Thanksgiving after this, right? Because uh, things just got bad, and and um, uh, you know they're not probably going to be friends uh, at, at this point. So honesty is the way to go, right? We don't want to be able. And and if you look at the scriptures, uh, what, what what did Jesus say? Matthew chapter five verses twenty five and twenty six should come up here. It says, agree with your adversary quickly while you are on the way with him. Lest your adversary deliver you to the judge, and the judge hand you over to the officer, and you be thrown into prison. Assuredly, I say to you, you will by no means get out till you have paid the last penny. Resolve issues if you can. Issues should not be existing. We shouldn't have to, especially Christian to Christian, we shouldn't have to uh, go and, 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 and drag things into court and those types of things. We should be able to, uh, to deal with things uh, cordially, and uh, that we would be honestly... Uh, reaching things, uh, conclusions uh, together. Romans 12 verse 18 says, If it is possible, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. You know, if we're living honest lives, it's going to be an easy thing to do. You know, God is dealing with, uh, some of these things are pretty crazy, right? But sinful man are covetous, are covetous right? So they're, they're breaking all kinds of the Ten Commandments, right? They're stealing, they're lying, uh, they're coveting, and, and they're taking their neighbor's stuff that they know doesn't belong to them. You know, and if you put it in modern terms, no, you know, I had this uh, this brand new uh, GMC truck right here. It's mine. It's mine, right? Yeah, can I see the, uh, uh, can I see the registration? No, uh, uh, the registration's lost. Sorry, I, I just bought it. Oh, you bought one the same day. It looks just like it. It got the same little scratch in the back. I know it bugs you. You just bought, you know, it, it's silly, but that's the same type of argument they're having here. Like, no, this is mine. And the guy's like, no, that's mine. I, I know, I know that scar on that, that, that ox. I, I, I watched him get it or, or whatever it is. And they could identify. They can't come to that. We're called, especially as Christians, to live honest lives, you know, pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord, Hebrews 12, 14 says. So Romans 12, 8 tells, uh, 18 tells us if it's all possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceable with all men, as much as depends on you. You know, if you can work things out, great. And then uh, I just read Hebrews 12, 14, pursue peace with all people. We want that peace. Um, and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. So that, that we're, we're expected to conduct ourselves in a righteous manner. Philippians 2 verses 3 and 4 say, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind let each one esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interests of others. 
right? If we're considering somebody more important than ourselves, and if we're uh, we're trying to live peaceably with all men, and we're pursuing peace with them and those things, these things, if two people are doing that, it should never get to a point of argument where they're like, fine, we're taking this to the authorities, and we need a judge to figure this out. It shouldn't get there. Sometimes it needs to. That's why God is putting this here, because sometimes people are dishonest. And God uh, was uh, laying this down so that everybody would know that if this happens, this is the way to go. Verse 10, if a man delivers to his neighbor a donkey, an ox, a sheep, or any animal to keep, and it dies, uh, is hurt, and uh, or driven away, no one seeing it, then an oath of the Lord shall be between them both, that he has not put his hand to his neighbor's goods, and the owner uh, of it shall accept that. And, it shall, and he shall not make it good. But if, in fact, uh, it is stolen from him. So he's brought it over, and he's like, hey, can you, can you watch my animals? And uh, if, if uh, there's uh, something here, somebody steals it, uh, and nobody knows what happened here. So, so look at it here. Sorry, if it says if it dies or is hurt or driven away, and nobody knows what happened. I shouldn't say steal. Um, uh, and nobody knows what happens. Then these guys will take an oath, and it shall be between the two. Say, hey, hey, look, man, I, I don't know what happened to it. It just died out there. Um, the Mitchells, Eric uh, and Alyssa Mitchell, uh, they were away. And uh, they went down to Florida one year. And uh, Eric is, uh, they're flying back. And I think it was the day they were flying back. No, this was the day I was just going to check on their house. And I'm going to check on their house and check on the, the chickens. And one of them's dead. And I'm like, oh, dang. <laughs> you know, they're like, yep, John you know, did something. You know, I'm afraid of that, you know. And, and they're awesome people, very close friends of ours and everything. And I'm like, when are your chickens dead? They're like, oh, okay. <laughs> right? You know, they, they don't want it dead, but uh, it, it's dead. And so I got to grab it, drag it out and, you know, dispose of it and everything. But uh, I was afraid. And I'm like, you know, in those uh, scenarios where I was entrusted to keep it, if that thing dies, you know, uh, in old times, you know, then I can go to Eric and be like, hey, man, I, I just I want to tell you from the bottom of my heart, I didn't do anything. Uh, it just died. I wasn't here when it died. I just showed up and I was checking on it and it died in, in that situation. Then we could uh, sit there and, and Eric's uh, then Eric can't say to me, well, you need to go buy me a new chicken by this law. No, no, I don't. Um, because I wasn't here and it wasn't anything that I did. But in fact, if it's stolen, uh, then I have to make restitution for it. That's what, it, what it's saying here. If it's torn in pieces by a beast, then he shall bring it as evidence, and it shall not be uh, not made good if it has uh, what has been torn. Can you imagine? Like, what do you do? Go get the, the four wheeler and tie to the legs and be like, "Hey, I got I got one you know hind quarter here left. I just wanted to show you that it got torn." All the pieces here, but all of these situations, God is making provision uh, for each of them. That if things are done in honesty, that people aren't going to be taking advantage of each other, and, and they're being held accountable. So, um, if no trusting can be um, uh, a trusting agreement can be made, then God provided uh, provided a, a template uh, to address. So restitution would be uh, set forth here uh, if somebody had stolen it. And uh, so there are three ways to prove innocence. Uh, there would be a witness to vouch uh, for uh, trustworthiness, uh, showing the pieces of the animal, which always sounds pretty interesting to me. Uh, and that might uh, stir a memory from when we were studying in Genesis 39, when Jacob said to Laban, 
He said, that which was torn by beasts, because Jacob is like laying into Laban at this point. He's like, Laban just keeps taking advantage of him. And Laban, Jacob just says to him, that which was torn by beasts, I did not bring to you. I bore the loss of it. You required it from my hand, whether stolen by day or stolen by night. You know, so that might remember spark your memory. He's like, if it was torn to pieces, I wasn't grabbing something and dragging it to you to show you, right? So that existed. That that state of mind already existed prior to what's being laid down here in Exodus 22 for us. But Laban, uh, Laban would require this. He was a hard taskmaster on on his on his son-in-law, and uh, Jacob is just saying, hey, I didn't I didn't have to grab these pieces. I just said I don't even want to deal with it. And I know what he's going to require. I'm just going to bring it, and and we're going to be, uh, we're, everything's going to be paid, and I don't have to listen to him anymore. Uh, the third uh, way of defense could be an oath of innocence before the Lord. So uh, there would be uh, three things you could uh, you could call up witnesses, uh, you can show pieces of an animal, or you can take an oath of innocence before the Lord uh, to um, uh, to make sure that you're defending yourself. Verse, four, verse 14, if a man borrows anything from his neighbor and it becomes injured or dies, the owner of it not being with it, he shall surely make it good. If it is, uh, if its owner was with it, he shall not make it good. If it was hired, uh, it came uh, for its hire. So uh, if, if he uh, had hired his neighbor and the horse comes over with a neighbor uh, and the, the, the horse, uh, the owner is with the horse, what it's saying in verse 15, and the horse dies, the owner's right there and they know nothing happened. Then the person that paid uh, for it is like, hey, I, you know, I hired you to do this. It's not my responsibility. Something might have been an underlying condition, took out the horse. They weren't responsible. But if uh, you borrowed it and something uh, happened, then uh, they would uh, make good for it, right? So, uh, you know, hey, you borrowed the donkey so I could do you know this plowing or, or carry carry this across my yard and, and uh, you weren't here with it. The donkey died. Uh, I just, uh, I've got to make restitution for it. But, uh, but if the owner was there and you hired the owner to do it and they're using their own thing and the donkey died, then they weren't uh, required uh, to, uh, to pay that back. Now, think of it. If you're renting equipment for the day, oftentimes they'll say, do you want to purchase insurance you know, on that? Uh, and uh, you can make your decision whether you want to do that or not. Uh, but uh, you know, it could get into a hairy situation. So now we switch into, when we pick up in verse 16, uh, memorial and uh, ceremonial principles. Um, uh, this is a tough one when you read this. Sometimes we're going to come across some of these things that are just uh, are hard to go through and are hard to imagine that a poor girl would be put in this situation. Verse 16 says, If a man entices a virgin who is not betrothed and lies with her, he shall surely pay the bride price for her to be his wife. If the father-in-law utterly refuses to give her to him, uh, he shall pay money according to the bride price of virgins. So uh, some hold that this would uh, permit a premarital sex, saying, hey, it's not preferred, but if they do it, then uh, you know, then they're going to have to get married. No, God doesn't speak out one side of his mouth and then say the next thing out of the other. Fornication, sex before marriage, is forbidden in the scripture. So we can just stand firm on that. Okay, this is uh, this is a, a, a sad situation. So uh, if, if you look in the original language, it's talking about over persuading somebody, uh, this young girl uh, with fair words. Uh, they, they are just flattering and they're seducing her and they bring her to the point of weakness and judgment. 
And uh, they, they bring her to this point. If a man did so, he was to marry her if the father permitted it. The father didn't permit it and was utterly against it. Then they had to pray, pay a bride dowry and uh, they wouldn't get the woman. So uh, they, they would have to pay, uh, but they don't even get the bride. So the law is, is valuing the virginity of this young woman uh, that was, uh, that was uh, brought into this, uh, this spot of being enticed and, and being seduced by this man. So uh, the young women would uh, protect themselves uh, against, they should protect themselves against flattery to avoid this type of situation. You know, we've talked about flattery, right? And the scriptures talk about flattery. You know, that, that they would uh, no doubt as, as uh, they're hearing this and this is being read to them, Hopefully, good parents are going to go back and say, if this situation uh, ever happens and you see somebody that's just over the top flattering you and everything, excuse yourself from the situation if you can. Right. This is someone being enticed. They're being uh, in, in, in that uh, original language is talking about being over persuaded with fair words. They're being they're just being tricked they're into something that, that they're going to regret later designed to deter people, men, from taking advantage of this young virgin and uh, knowing that there was a lifetime commitment to care for them if they want to marry them or you're going to have to pay out of pocket. What do you want to do? You're, you, you know, there's going to be something there that's required. You don't just get to do this and then not be held accountable. Verse 18, you should not uh, permit a sorceress to live. Pretty uh, clear, uh, clear cut sorcery, witchcraft, abomination of the Lord. Uh, these people are leading a people astray into idolatry and into devil worship and, and, and demonic worship. Uh, then they were to be killed in that uh, in that culture. Verse 19, whoever lies with an animal shall surely be put to death. Bestiality is a sin punishable by death. It's an abomination to our creator. You know, someone with a warped mind uh, that they would want it to even think to do that. Uh, uh, that's that's pretty crazy. You know, that's a somebody who's a threat to everybody else in society. If they can do something crazy like that, they're a threat uh, to anybody else. Men, women, uh, boys, girls, it doesn't matter. That person is a sexual predator uh, that you have to watch out for. And God is saying, if somebody does that, they should be surely be put to death. They're, they've committed an abomination. Now, that might uh, stir your, your mind for Romans 1, where God lists, and he's talking about sexual devi deviancy, and it says that God gave them over to vile passions. Vile. Right? You hear the word vile, that means disgusting things, right? That God would give them over to vile passions. Romans 1.28 says, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting. A debased mind. That's a warped individual. God would give them, oh, you want to do those things? God's going to give you over to those things. And it's going to warp your mind. You're going to, you're going to end up having a debased mind, a warped mind. And uh, just it's, it's just, I, I guess we don't need to get into any more of it. Sex with animals is not permitted at all uh, within the scriptures. Why did that have to be addressed? <laughs> because it was part of other cultures. And God had to say it's not going to be a part of this culture. Right? Weird as it sounds, God is making sure. Hey, if there's any 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 uh, you know thought, if you're hearing of somebody else doing that, not to happen here amongst God's people. Verse 20, he, he who sacrifices to any God except the Lord only, he shall be utterly destroyed. 
First commandment, right? No other gods before me. Uh, so no other, no one is uh, worthy of our worship but God, and God just makes it clear. If they're going to do that, uh, that person needs to be cut off from the people and utterly destroyed uh, because their sin will lead others into sin, and God is uh, making sure that they, they don't negatively affect other people in their relationship with the Lord. Verse 21, you shall neither mistreat a stranger nor oppress him, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I love that reminder. You remember, you are strangers. Don't be mistreating other people. You didn't like it, right? And when you were being mistreated, you, try, you cried out to God and God heard you, right? They, 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 uh, that was to remind them there. Uh, you were strangers in the land of Egypt. Would you want to be mistreated the way you guys were? You shouldn't do that to others. What did Jesus say? Matthew 7, verse 12. Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the, uh, this is the law and the prophets. Pretty cut and dried, right? You know, you look at, at what that's saying there is, you know, in, in here in our nation, do unto others as you'd have them do unto you, right? The golden rule, right? And uh, that, that we would want people to treat us the way we would want them uh, to treat us back. Second Corinthians 1, verses 3 and 4 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble uh, with the comfort which, with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Not forget where we came from. That mentality, God saying, hey, you want to take care of them? Remember what it's like. Not only that, but you can actually understand. You can empathize with them, right? Sympathy, having uh, being able to sympathize with somebody goes, I'm so sorry you're dealing with that. I can't imagine what that's like. Empathy is, I'm sorry you're dealing with that. I've been through it too. It's awful, right? So this is what, what it's saying there in, in 2 Corinthians is God is saying that we may go through things, and when we've gone through things, then we're able to comfort somebody that goes through the same thing. God is saying, don't mistreat other people. Rather, God would rather have us consider them uh, uh, more important than us and to love them and comfort them and say, I'm sorry that happened to you. You know, uh, I've been there too. And, uh, and uh, because no doubt they, they, they're dealing with scars and things that they, uh, that they experience as a negative result of uh, being mistreated. Verse 22. You shall not afflict any widow or fatherless child. If you afflict them in any way and they cry out to me, I will surely hear their cry. And my wrath will become hot and I will kill you with the sword. Your wives shall be widows and your children shall be fatherless. Hopefully everybody heard that like, got it. <laughs> got it, right? That you wouldn't take advantage of those that are most vulnerable. Right, God, God has a special place uh, for widows and orphans uh, in His heart. Right, you've heard me quote this a hundred times. Uh, James one twenty seven: Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this: to visit orphans and widows in their trouble, and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. To visit them, to care for them. You know, consider what uh, Psalm sixty eight verse five says: A father of the fatherless and a defender of widows is God in His holy habitation. God has a special place for orphans and widows. And there are there is a awful price to be paid for those that are taking advantage of those that are in need. Someone that would that would do something, you know, to afflict them. Oh, can't really afford uh, can't really afford your payments. Well, sorry. Sorry. You know, you guys are just going to have to smell our food next door. 
Right. Oh, really? And they cry out to the Lord. That's your last meal, buddy. <laughs> right. You know, the Lord's going to hold you accountable. It's an awful way to, to live life. Right. Verse 25. If you lend money to any of my people who are poor among you, you should not be like the money lender is to him. You should not charge him interest. Are you getting the fact that God protects the poor, the orphan, the widow? There's a gracious heart within our father. The fact that non-believers, mockers of our faith and mockers of God, just sit there and they pick it. They'll pick and choose, you know, cherry pick this first. And I'm going to cherry pick this first, totally out of context. And, and just bring up this angry God. Like, what about any of this that's being said? Would we present to somebody and say, oh, so you're not for a God that wants to care for the poor, the widow, and the orphan, right? Oh, no, I'm not saying, no. And hold them. Put them right to, uh, you know, bring them right to Exodus 22 and say, what about this is wrong? And then, and if they've got issues, okay, look at this. Let's look at this in the whole context. You can't just take out three words and say, there it is. That's why I hate God. You know, that's, uh, but look at our, our wonderful God and who he is and the heart that he has. So God is saying, when you've got somebody poor among you and you're able to help them and you're going to lend to them, don't charge them interest like a bank would. These are your brethren. These are your brothers and sisters. These are people that are here. And it, it, you know, what does the scripture tell us? To, to lend without expecting to even receive back. Right? We know that from you know, looking uh, into, into uh, New Testament scriptures. But the, the covetousness of wanting to exploit somebody who's in need. Right? Oh, you want this? Okay, how about 50% interest? Right? <laughs> I'm going to give you 20 bucks. You better give me 30 the next day. Right? That's crazy. That's crazy. God is speaking against that. Psalm 15, verses 1 through 5. <clears throat> David was writing this. says, Lord, who may abide in your tabernacle? Who may dwell in your holy hill? He who walks uprightly and works righteousness and speaks the truth in his heart. He who does not uh, backbite with his tongue, nor does evil, uh, does evil to his neighbor, nor does he take up a reproach against his friend. In whose eyes a vile person is despised, but he honors those who fear the Lord. He who swears to his own hurt, but does not change. Verse 5 says, he who does not put out his money at usury, nor does he take a bribe against the innocent. How uh, uh, he who does these things shall never be moved. Right. Be, having having a, you know, that that righteousness, that uprightness that God is requiring. Right. Deuteronomy 15 verses seven through eight. says, if there is among you a poor man of your brethren within any of the gates of your land, which the Lord your God is giving you. So when you get into the promised land is what this is saying. You shall not harden your heart nor shut out uh, or shut your hand from your poor brother, but you shall open your hand wide to him and willingly lend him sufficient for his need, whatever he needs. It's that openness of hand that the Lord is saying, whatever we own belongs to God, right? So if we're trying to, ah, I got to hold it all to myself and sorry, you guys are hungry over there, but I'm going to hold this over here. Uh, you know, when Jesus was talking about, uh, you know, taking care of uh, our brother, you know, when, when our brother comes, it, it, it should be a no brainer for us. Right. You know, we should never look at our brother and say, oh, hey, I know you're 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 uh, you're you're hungry and everything. Peace. Be well. You know, <laughs> the Bible is telling us that that's sinful. That's wrong. 
Matthew 5, 42, the Lord speaking, give to him who asked you and from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. Psalm 30. Uh, now, uh, be wise, <laughs> right? We're called to be wise. You know, if we know somebody's just going to take money from us just to take money, then we're probably going to say, oh, hey, wait, the scripture also says don't cast my pearls before swine, right? What's precious to us so that, uh, you know, a, a, a pig can just trample over it. Right. So we've got to be we have to be smart. But if we know somebody's in great need, uh, then it's our duty to take care of them. Uh, Psalm 37, verse 21, the wicked borrows and does not repay, but the righteous shows mercy and gives, you know, just uh, that person that that just says, you know what, my joys from the Lord, whatever he's given me, uh, I'm not ruled by money or, or uh, greed or selfishness. Uh, they have the mindset uh, of hey, you know what? I've received these things from the Lord. I'm going to be able to bless others uh, with these things. And and consider what Second Corinthians nine verses six and seven uh, say. But this I say: He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or out of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. So if you notice, and this is not a plea, this is not a reminder that we have our giving box there. But we'll put that there. Uh, and, and he said, tithes and offering, God loves a cheerful giver. It wasn't there like, hey, we're going to you know, try to dupe more money out of you. God loves a cheerful giver. So you got to get. No, what, what Will was saying, not out of compulsion. Give, give uh, if God has given you so much, and then then give back what God would have you give back, your tithes and offerings, with a cheerful heart, out of a grateful heart, is what that's saying. So that isn't like a clever play on words that Will did when he, he made that there. He's, he's, he's saying, no, it's the cheerfulness of, of being able to give back. I've got to speed up. Uh, if you take your neighbor's garment as a pledge, uh, you shall return it to him before the sun goes down, for that is his only covering. If it is his garment uh, for his skin, what will he sleep in? And it will, and it will be that when he cries to me, I will hear, for I am gracious. So taking someone's garment as a pledge, hey, uh, you know, if you give me this, you can take this for the day. I promise I'll bring it back. Uh, those types of things. You don't give it back at night. That person is is cold, is what God is saying. If that's what they were going to sleep with, and that's their only covering, God is going to hear because he's gracious. Uh, so, so giving, uh, it, this is a, a cool thing, you know, thinking of giving, give so that we, to somebody, so they can't return the favor, right? Just think of that, you know, uh, we receive grace. We need to give grace. Uh, it's a requirement for Christians. We have to share grace. If we receive grace, we have to actually dispense grace from our lives. We can't just be like, yeah, I just want all this grace, all this grace and just be, Awful to other people, right? Um, but uh, it, it, because God knows and God is gracious. And when he says, I am gracious, he's going to take care of that person, <laughs> right? When he cries out, I'm going to hear him. I'm going to hear him. I will hear. It says, when he cries out to me, I will hear for I am gracious. Verse 28, you shall not revile God nor curse a ruler of your people. Uh, you know, pray for leaders. Murmuring about God and leaders uh, is speaking of ungratefulness and pride. First Timothy two verses one through four says, "Therefore, I exhort first that uh, that all supplications and prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, and for all who are in authority, that may, we may lead 
a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Pray for our leaders that they would hear from God and they would make godly decisions. When they don't make godly decisions, pray for them more. <laughs> right? We are called to pray for them more. We can't murmur against God. Ah, why do we have this? Nope, just keep praying. That's what the scriptures tell us. Verse 29, you shall not delay to offer the first of your ripe produce and your juices. The firstborn of your sons and daughters you shall give me. Likewise, you shall do to with your oxen and your sheep. It shall be it's uh, it shall be with its mother for seven days, and on the eighth day you shall give it to me. So giving to God of the first and best, not our leftovers physically, spiritually. Uh, usually whenever there's a physical uh, manifestation uh, in our life, it's a represent, it's representative of what's going on internally with our lives, right? So if we're just giving God our scraps and whatever he has given us, uh, then, uh, then uh, you know, we are, uh, you know, when there's the question, can a man rob God? Yes, and tithes and offerings, right, is what it says. So, uh, you know, firstborn. Uh, so it, God isn't telling them human sacrifices here. They, they, would, they would give an offering for the, the firstborns. Uh, firstborn, uh, they would redeem it with five shekels. Uh, but uh, giving uh, for the others uh, would show that uh, they're, they're uh, grateful. Uh, and, and it also is uh, helping them be less materialistic. So we're going to wrap this up right here, verse 31. <clears throat> And you shall be holy men to me. You shall not eat meat torn by beasts in the field. You shall throw it to the dogs. So uh, be holy for I am holy, right? First Peter 1 16, uh, because it is written, be holy for I am holy. You know, God is saying here that there shouldn't be an acceptance of sin in our lives, making excuses so that we might be able to keep, uh, keep it around. Um, take the command to be holy and run with it in our lives. Uh, we are going to fail. We are going to, uh, in our sinful flesh, we are going to fall short of, of, of God's demands. Uh, you know, if we have a trespass, which me, a trespass would be, we know this is wrong and I still do it, right? Sin is missing the mark, right? The, the mark of perfection. If we miss the mark of perfection, you know, just, just, just think of that, that we'd go to God and say, God, I've missed the mark of perfection. If we, if we in trespass and we say, I know this is wrong, but I'm still going to do it anyways, uh, because I, I, you know, and God's the Holy Spirit ministering to us and telling you you're not supposed to do it, and we still do that, that's a trespass. And we go to the Lord and like, I've trespassed you, Lord. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. We can go to the Lord with that. So conduct ourselves in righteousness and truth, caring for one another uh, and in, in their possessions, what's being said here, right? So uh, when we consider all these things, I just have a few more verses to share with you. Uh, Christians are called to be different. We're called uh, to be just. We're called to be right. right? Micah 6.8, you know, uh, what does the Lord require of you? Uh, to do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God, right? Those simple, basic things, do justly, walk humbly, don't be a jerk and big-headed, right? And, and walk humbly with our God. We're told to be separate. 2 Corinthians 6, verses uh, 17 says, Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. Be separate. We're supposed to be different. 
from the world. Romans 12, 2 says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable, perfect will of God. We're called to, 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 to be different. We can't be like the rest of the world. You know, trying to get one over on other people and step on them so we can keep climbing up. Uh, you know, so this is dealing with what we've what we've looked at was holiness, uh, selfishness, um, and on the other side of that coin, generosity, uh, graciousness, being accountable, uh, being uh, truthful. The, the, the way we're supposed to conduct ourselves. Nobody should be saying, because I was actually talking with Alan, and I know we're two, literally two minutes over right now. I'll shut up here in just a minute, I promise. Um, but I was talking with Alan, and Alan was talking to me about dealings he's had with other people that are Christians, and they're talking business stuff. And they're like, I know we're both Christians, but this is business. And Alan's like, no, 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 wait a minute. <laughs> no, that's not how it goes. That doesn't say here that God doesn't say, uh, pretend this is my Bible. I can't read my, my, my Bible up here. My uh, eyesight isn't that good, so I've got big font up here. That's why I do this, right? But He's saying, no, that's not how God said. No, we're not supposed to be this person in church and, and all these things and be this uh, this person out here on the outside. No, we're called to holiness. What does he say in 31? And you shall be holy men to me. All of this stuff you need to be obedient to. So God wasn't just spewing all this stuff out like, yeah, you know, here's some recommendations. No, this is what I expect from you. You're supposed to be treating each other right. You're supposed to do justly. I'll end with this. Psalm 33, verse 5. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. God loves righteousness and justice. All of those things we were just looking at, God is saying, this is the way this should be dealt with. This is the way this should be dealt with. All these things that we would submit our will to the will of the Father and that we would act in righteous and just ways. Amen? Amen. All right, let's pray. Father, we are so grateful for your word. We thank you, Lord, that you uh, you know us so well that we need these instructions of how to conduct ourselves. Lord, that we would be holy as you're calling us to be by the power of your Holy Spirit. We don't have it within ourselves, but we do with your spirit indwelling us. That you would continue to sanctify us to yourself. Lord, help us to be holy to you pleasing to you in all that we do, uh, that we would be pleasing neighbors, blessings uh, uh, to our, our, our loved ones and our neighbors that live around us, honest, people that can uh, serve them and love them, be trusted, that we would be lights in this dark world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.